Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Romy the Homie, and you are listening to the Journey with Romy podcast, where I'll be teaching lessons and principles from the Bible, sharing my life experiences and what they taught me, and interviewing some pretty dope people. The best part is, no subject is off limits. We're talking about everything. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get right to it. All right, so I'm back again, uh, still in Romans. This is Romans chapter six. So previously we were talking about salvation through grace and uh, it's by faith. Salvation has always been by faith um, and how Christ died in our place, how Adam was the representative of the entire human race. And because he fell, then death came upon all men. So many die because of Adam, we are the children of Adam or the descendants of Adam, meaning we are born into sin, but then we find life in Christ. So all those who accept Christ, now you are um, alive in Christ. And it's talking about the grace, right? Uh, chapter five actually ends um, saying that, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the Jews were, they were really stuck on his law. They really felt like, you know what, Jesus Christ and the law is salvation. But we know that Jesus Christ plus nothing else is our salvation. We are complete in Christ. Everything that we need to be saved is found in Christ. And when you accept him, God sees you the same way he sees Christ. So positionally, you are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, right? Positionally, you are perfect because you are in Christ. But practically, we've got some work to do. So uh, the next section or uh, chapter six, uh, the, the topic is dead to sin, alive to God. So that's the, what does that mean? What does dead to sin mean and alive to God mean? If, if Jesus already paid the price for sin, right? Um, so here the Jews pose a question or Paul's addressing this question and I'm starting in verse, I'm going to read verses one through five. This is the new King James version. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." So they're basically saying like, okay, if you telling me that if the more there's sin, the more God gives grace, right? Then shouldn't we continue in sin so that we can continue to have more and more of God's grace? And Paul is like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. In verse two, when he says, how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? So what does he mean when he says we die to sin? He's referring to when you accepted Christ and you got saved, then that was you saying that I am no longer a slave to sin. That was you saying that 
just as Christ died for the wages of sin in the likeness of Christ and because I have accepted him, then I too have died to sin and I'm alive to God. So picture baptism. So baptism is not a requirement for salvation. However, if you are a believer and you're truly born again, you understand the value and the significance and the representation of of baptism. So you would want to do it. And what does it mean? What does it represent? What is it symbolic of? It's symbolic of you dying to sin the way that Christ did. And then when you come out of the water, that's when you go under the water. And then when you come out of the water, you're saying, now I'm alive to God. So the same way that Jesus Christ lived a life to God, he has given us the power to also live a life to God. Um, So just as we were baptized into his death, that's what that means. That means that you're dead to sin. And if something is dead, that means it doesn't respond. This means you don't react the same way that you normally would to sin. You are no longer bound by sin because you, once you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit is within you and the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do the things that please God. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be free from sin. It's no longer, it no longer interests you because once God has your heart, then God starts to work on the inside of you. He starts to put his desires on the inside of you and all of that is going to produce the new man that or the new woman that you are in Christ. So the same way that he's that we share um in his death, we also share in his resurrection. Um symbolically saying that we are dead to sin and alive to God. And that's in verse 5 when it also says uh we also shall be in the likeness likeness of his resurrection. One thing that can help us understand this is the difference between the believer's position and his practice, right? And even though I say his, it's men and women, right? So his position or your position as a believer is his standing in Christ. His practice is what he is or should be in everyday life. So grace puts us into the position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. Our position is absolutely perfect because we are in Christ. Remember, it's Christ plus nothing else. Our practice should be increasingly corresponding to our position. So if you are truly born again, and if you're truly in Christ and your heart is sincere, then the way that you live your life, the way um, that you respond to things should imitate or correspond to your position being in Christ, right? You can't, as believers, we cannot continue in sin because we have died to sin and dead things don't respond. This is a positional truth. When Jesus died to sin, he died as our representative. He died not only as our substitute, that is for us or in our place, but he also died as our representative. That is, he died as us. Therefore, when he died, we died. He died to the whole question of sin, settling it once and for all. And all those who are in Christ are seen by God as having died to sin. So let's be clear. This does not mean that the believer is sinless. It means that you don't live a lifestyle of sin. You don't practice sin because in 1 John 
1 9 it says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in a previous episode then i explained the difference between sin and sins our um nature and then sins the things that we committed the things that we do so don't be confused although we have died to sin it doesn't mean that we as believers are sinless. It means that we're identified with Christ and his death and in all that his death means, which is dead to sin. All right, so starting at verse six, knowing this, knowing what? Everything that we just said, everything that we just talked about, everything that Paul just explained, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So this is the beautiful thing of salvation, right? So for for he who has died has been freed from sin. So here is a man, for example, let's think about a man that's sentenced to die in the electric chair for murdering a police officer, right? As soon as he dies, he is free literally justified from that sin because the penalty has been paid and the case is closed because the penalty um, for him murdering that police officer was the death penalty. That was the payment. That was the punishment for uh, that crime that he committed. So as soon as he dies, he's freed from that sin. The penalty has been paid and the case is closed. So that's the same thing that happened with us when we die with Christ. So not only has our penalty been paid, but sin's stranglehold on our lives has been broken. So we die to sin and we live to righteousness. All right. So these last few verses, verses 15 through 23, um, Paul is really reiterating himself throughout this whole thing. So I feel like there's no need to keep elaborating um, on it. Uh, once you become a believer, you're dead to sin and alive to God. So what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obey from the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 
But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the good thing about grace is that sin doesn't have dominion over the person who's under grace. Why? It, so just because you're not under the law, it doesn't make us lawless. So the thing is, if you are under the law, the law can tell you how you should, how you should do and, and what you should do, but it doesn't give you the power to do it. When you're under grace, then you receive, once you accept salvation, you receive the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is Christ with you at all times. This is God within you at all times. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to live a holy life. And it's motivated not because um, I'm afraid to be punished. It's not because I want to do right so I don't get a spanking, but it's because of out of love for the one who died for you. It's because you love Christ and you want to please him. You want that fellowship with him. You want that relationship with him. And because he gave you the power, because he gave you his Holy Spirit and he has won the victory, right? Like that song that we love um, so much. He has given you the power over the bondage of sin and you operate and you do the things that you do or don't do as it pertains to the law because of your love for God. So it's because of that relationship that you have with God that you're not going to do those things which don't please him. So the phrase, something I want to point out, because this is really really important. I think this is where a lot of a lot of us kind of get confused. So I'm reading out of the commentary. A lot of what I said today came out of the commentary. So the phrase free from sin does not mean that they no longer have a sinful nature. Neither does it mean that they no longer committed acts of sin. The context, right, shows that it's referring to the freedom from sin as the dominating power in life. I can briefly share like I remember before I even got saved I was that person that tried to clean myself up I knew what I knew that the way I was living was wrong and I always said well I need to start acting this certain type of way before I go to church before I get saved I need to act a certain type of way and every single time I failed Every single time I failed, I remember saying that I'm going to stop cursing, you know, because I'm going to get saved eventually. So I want to I want to clean myself up. And God said, you, you don't even have to do that. You come as you are and I'll take care of that. When I have your heart, then I'll start to transform your heart and then the outside will start to change. But it starts from the inside. And it wasn't until I surrendered. And I got saved and, you know, I confessed my sins and asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. It wasn't until after that moment that it wasn't instantly, um, but it's it was a progression. And I began to see that I didn't have interest in the things that I once used to. And also that I did start to change. So those things that I once tried to change on my own and I couldn't do, now they have already been changed. And me not even thinking about it, but just focusing on that relationship with Christ, him giving me the power to be able to do that. (music) 
So to go ahead and summarize everything that we talked about today, as believers, you are dead to sin. That means you don't respond to sin in the way that you once did and you're alive to God. As soon as you accept God, you have the Holy Spirit instantly. And it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within you that gives you the power to move and operate in the way that you should. It's it's when God transforms and exchanges your desires for his desires. He starts to put his desires inside of you. And before you know it, when you submit to God, when you become a slave to God, when you deny your flesh every single day, you deny the natural things that you want to do to please your savior, to please your creator, then God will start to change your heart. He will change your heart and you will no longer desire the things that you used to desire. And you will start to desire the things that God desires because he transforms your life. Again, this doesn't mean, I know sometimes we hear the the term a lot or the phrase, God knows my heart, thinking that that God gives you a license to sin. And that's what, that's what Paul is talking about in this particular passage. Jews thinking like, hey, if there's so much grace here, then why don't I keep committing sins? Why don't I sin on purpose so that I can receive more and more of God's grace? And he said, absolutely not. If you are a born again believer, if you are truly saved, then you are dead to sin and you won't respond in that way. You're alive to God. What does that mean? Alive to righteousness. And because of the Holy Spirit that's within you, that is what you need to live a righteous life. So even as a believer, again, you're not sinless. You can choose to sin. You still have a choice. God wants to make you holy, but you have to be willing. You have to be a willing vessel and you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's when that conviction comes in. When you when, when you used to do something and it didn't bother you before, but now, now you're a little hesitant as a believer. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you in the direction that you should go. And you should turn away from that sin, confess your sins. You should pray and ask God to continue to help you because he gives you the power and a way of escape from all sin. You just have to make a decision and commit to God in the way that he's committed to you. So that's it. That's all. Until next time.